0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Lisa at the Edge. In this episode, I am joined by the wonderful Holly Lehman. Holly is a program manager at Microsoft for the Azure CXP partner team and an absolute community queen. In this episode, we hear about Holly's career path from opening hotels in Las Vegas to program manager at Microsoft. We talk about why non-techies are needed in tech, our passion for people and community, and why you shouldn't fear hearing no. Holly also shares with us the reality of working and schooling from home and how supportive Microsoft have been during this pandemic. We also get to hear about how head in the cloud, heart in the community was born and a true friendship created. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Hey Holly, welcome to the Lisa at the Edge podcast. I am super happy to have you on as a
1: guest. I am so excited to be on, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, so much. Um, Okay, so the idea for
0: today's session is um, to hear a little bit about your career path, because again, it's another story of a non-traditional background now working in tech. So I'd love to hear about that and how you landed your sort of first role at Microsoft. Um, Then let's take a deeper dive into your current role, Uh, working in the Azure North Star Partner Programme. Love to hear a bit more about that. Um, Then let's talk about the fact that we're both non-techies in tech, because I think that's an important topic to touch on. Um, And then let's talk about some real stuff like the impacts of COVID and working from home with two little girls and homeschooling. (laughs) Let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for the audience, can you please give a quick introduction to yourself?
1: Sure, absolutely. My name is Holly Lehman. I am a program manager at Microsoft. I work on the Azure customer experience team and I have the privilege of running what we call the North Star Partner Program. And my team is mainly focused on collecting Azure technical feedback across all of Azure. So it's a lot to take yes, in.
0: That is a lot. Yes. <laughs> if you think about the entirety of Azure, that's, that's a big task. Yeah. Um, so when we had our catch-up, we probably should have recorded that as our episode as well, because that was great. <laughs> but um, you, were, you were telling me how you are originally from Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and you actually started out in hospitality. So can we start there, and then work forwards to um, getting your first role at Microsoft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I am a Vegas native, they do exist, and I'm one of them. (laughs) Um, I was running around hotels as a baby, right? Like, that's all I knew. And so of course, I got into hospitality, I had the privilege of working at places like Caesars Palace, Bellagio, and I ended up opening up Aria. So I started at Aria when it was just dirt to the days that we actually opened the door. So I was already getting program management experience without even realizing it yeah um I did do hospitality for 10 plus years let's not count the years too closely (laughs) um I also have a background you know I I kind of jumped around a bit and I got into law enforcement for a bit on an administrative side I worked for two police departments and a jail so that was interesting and fun and at times a bit scary um ended up in the process of all of that getting married seven years later, we had our first baby and my husband is a Seattle native. So it was one of those, like, if you're wanting to move, let's do it now. Yes. Um, so we packed up and moved to Seattle and I did work in hospitality for you know a bit here, but I realized that hospitality was not the best for me being yes. a mom. And so I was like, what am I going to do? What is, you know, one of the best companies to work for? And so for me, um, because I had family that already worked at Microsoft, it had a great reputation for career path and structure, um, flexibility. And so I started as a vendor. Um, and so I would tell anybody listening if you're wondering you know how to get into tech, it doesn't have to just be Microsoft. But I would say, you know, it is difficult to get your foot in the door. And a lot of people are like, oh, a vendor. No. Ah. But really, it's a great way to test out companies. And so mm. I did. I started as a vendor, as um, an admin, and I was very privileged that Microsoft hired me full time. And then had her second daughter and decided I would take a bit of a hiatus um, just to focus on being a mom of two and like what that looks like. And then decided to come back to Microsoft because I loved it so much. And so I, again, started as a vendor, as a program manager, and I started on Intune and configuration manager running their customer program. So um, that ended up moving me into the world of tech from an administrative side. Yeah. Um, worked on Intune and Configuration Manager running their customer program for a couple of years, ended up taking on the TAP program um, for configuration manager, meaning I just kind of did the logistics, like what engineer is going to go see what you know customer and what's the travel logistics and do they have the, the hot packs and do they have the updates and what are they, you know, are they prepared for our team to come out and make sure that they're ready to, to do the tap program okay. and then got into the event side of it. And Azure at the time was just Azure management. And they reached out and said, we don't have a customer program. Do you want to build it, brand it, evangelize it? Absolutely. I do. Um, ended up dipping my feet a bit into the world of MVPs, which I, absolutely love they're just such amazing humans and so started to work with the cdm cloud data management mvps and then after a bit we went to inspire and i came back and said okay i've now got to work with the customers mm-hmm. now the mvps mm-hmm. let's work with a partner so then we ended up starting the north star partner program so amazing. that's
0: amazing end to end amazing that's that's great so when so when working with customers and when working with partners and the MVPs we talked a little bit about how you began to see the value in each community and what they could bring and how absolutely. important it is to build relationships and engage with them um and i think it's safe to say that that's your
1: passion area right absolutely yes the the communities that we have in tech are so powerful. And I say they're powerful because if we didn't get to know these humans that are using the technology that on the end we're creating Mm -hmm. and we didn't listen to them, Mm -hmm. I don't think that our services would be as strong and powerful as they are now. And listening to the feedback from these communities, we're leveraging what they're telling us to make each of the services better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's by having those relationships and these
0: different types of avenues to get that feedback that ma- makes your feedback valuable mm-hmm. because we all know what it's like when we get a survey or we need to fill something in yeah. or someone asks, you know, what's your feedback on this? But mm-hmm. actually the way to get true um, real life, real world feedback is to have those really close relationships and have these different types of communities so that you can actually, you can pull on that. Um so tell us a little bit more about the Azure North Star Partner Program um, and what it involves for both the partners and yourself and what,
1: what do you love most about it? So I would say I'm going to touch on one thing real quick when we talked about feedback. So part of the team that I work on now is strictly Azure technical feedback. And so when we go out and we tell people that Microsoft cares about your feedback, I think it's important to say that that's a true statement. There are teams out there like the one I work on that are specifically for that feedback. And it's not just themes and trends, but it's, uh, I had this issue or challenge or blocker, and here's how I worked around it, or here's what we're looking for, and here's why. And our job is to share that feedback with the engineers and help them when they think about their planning prioritization and really understanding like this piece of feedback came from this human and this was the scenario yeah and and so I think it's really important that when people in in the day-to-day world hear people at Microsoft say we care about your feedback we actually do and there are teams out there just for feedback yeah um, and so that's kind of where the North Star partner program plays in so my job is to listen to feedback and share it with the engineers. In addition, my job is also to run what we call the North Star Partner Program, where it is strictly a boutique program with where we've gone out and selected various partners for various reasons, whether it be a vertical, whether it be a ge- geolocation, whether it be their business strategy for Azure, yep. right? And so I only work with six or seven partners. So it's not a lot, but my job is to go deep in that relationship and and gain that trusted relationship where they're going to tell me, Holly, here's the issue that we're having. Here's the blocker. And here's how we worked around it. And I, I love it because part of what I've decided to do with that program is humanize partners, meaning people forget, you know, yes, we have this huge partner community out there. And they go and they they do their day-to-day job. And we see the Azure consumption rate grow and move. But they actually have this huge passion around it. Not just the technical piece of Azure, but they have a passion around bettering their customers and that deployment and what it looks like. Whether it be an ISV or a customer that's decided to reach out and leverage their skills for their deployments. Um, And so the benefit for them is I become their internal Microsoft person, if you will. And they get to say, Holly, we really have this major blocker. Is there somebody that you can help pull into the call and we can talk to? Absolutely. I become kind of the hub and I go and spoke out the people on the team that they need to talk to. Um, and so whether it's somebody that I leverage on my team, that's a subject matter expert, or I go pound on virtual doors, if you will, within the engineering team and say, Hey, I have this partner that really needs 30 minutes of your time. And so it becomes this valued asset because the partner gets their questions answered and the engineers get to hear what the issues are that they're yeah. facing that they may not have thought of, um, Or that they're not aware of. So we get the privilege of really going deep technically with these partners. Um, I get to interview one a month, where it's a 10 minute interview, and I share it out with my leadership team so that they get to see the face behind the word partner, they get to see the passion. That these guys really have around their service. Um, And so to hear their story and what they're doing for our customers, for me, is really important. So I get to share what the partners are doing and they get a trusted source within Microsoft. Yep. I love that. Um, And I really love how you talk about
0: humanizing the partner, the feedback, um and sharing the full story so it's not like one or two lines we had this technical problem it right. caused us to be you know lose access for this amount of time or it caused this to happen you go in there and you say um like you are their their advocate their voice mm-hmm. and you you humanize that entire piece of feedback it's from a uh, ex-partner who does this it had this infected effect internally on their team and it caused this for their customers and um, how can we make sure that doesn't happen in the future and also how can we solve that right now for the for this specific partner and I love that um, and I think you're right it's, it's important to share that the fact that Microsoft say feedback is important and it clearly is with having teams like yourselves dedicated mm-hmm. but also Microsoft's continually like talks about how it is a partner network yeah so Azure is the platform it's all the great tech Um, it's all the great um, possibilities and the opportunities but what makes that real and what turns that into value for for you know, other businesses and human beings is, is your partner network. And I just think that's a, a super special place to be.
1: Um, well, I learned, I learned something on Intune that I, I think is a really valuable story if I can share real yes, quick. Um, there was a partner that, or I'm sorry, it was a customer that I was working with and they said, Holly, we've had this support ticket open for X amount of time. I won't say how long. <laughs> and so I went out to our CSS support escalation team and I said, this is a person like behind the desk. This is his job. This is the issue they've been having for months. And it's kind of like a light went on that, you know, we're we're behind our laptop or coding or developing or creating. And there's a person on the other side of that service. Yeah. That it's their job on the line. It's their their financial livelihood on the line, if you will. And so when we kind of flip the role a little bit, And said, hey, this is what this other human is dealing with. And they were willing to get on a call with them. They actually came back to me and said, thank you. Sometimes we're so busy in our day-to-day life that we forget about the fact that it's not just a support ticket. It's a human and their job behind that. And there's so much behind what's happening that we don't get to see. So I kind of realized that it's my job to remember that there's a face and a person behind, whether it's the feedback or the ticket or the number.
0: And I think that that is such a good point, and you can you you can extrapolate that out, right? Because I had a similar situation. Not some; it was kind of similar situation just this other week. Um, let's just say that we've reported something. We've reported something to Microsoft. We're obviously uh, uh, we're partners, yeah. and um, there's just a little bit of confusion around where that is. Who knows about it, etc. Right? And my counterpart at Microsoft is obviously having to report on that and. And, and give more information about that on their side. And there's a meeting coming up where they review um, this report, and then they go over it. And I think it's so important to keep in mind that we all have our individual roles and our individual jobs, and we work in our individual teams and our individual companies. But it's so important, I think, especially when you're looking to partner with someone or work with someone else closely, to take the time to sort of explain, look, this is my role and these are my expectations and this is how it's impacted me and for the other person to do the same so that you can take a step back and really think about you might just want this information from this other person but why you know what are they looking for what are they dealing with there on their side is it's probably similar to what you're dealing with on your side Mm -hmm. how can you better support each other Um, and it's remembering like you say that we all have day jobs that all bring home our pay packet Mm -hmm. and (laughs) You know, it's really important to think about that. So, yeah, Yeah. I think that's that's really great. And we we spoke about um, on our catch-up as well about not necessarily being passionate for the tech. Like, the tech is cool. But at the end of the day, the tech is built by people for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And without that focus
1: on people, what does the tech matter, (laughs) really? Well, and I find... Passionary, it's it's not about the actual technology. My passion is really when I get on a call with these partners, here, how are that to me, I, I'm floored by how smart they are and their passion. Their passion for the tech. So I have the passion yeah. around the humans, they have the passion for the tech. Mm-hmm. And when they talk to me and they treat me as an equal counterpart, even they though they they know that I'm not deep as technical as they are, yep. and they treat me with that level of respect, it tells me they respect the role that I play for them. Yes. Oh absolutely. And that means a lot. Yep, And I
0: think that those two passions can feed off each other and absolutely. work really, really well together to achieve mm-hmm. what we're all trying to achieve in this industry. Um, and I think that's a good segue into talking about being non-tech is in tech, right? Because both of us are non-technicals in tech. And hearing you explain that there, really actually, like, I I felt that as well. When I am helping, you know, you might have all the greatest technical experts in the room, but there is a a problem for whatever reason. It usually falls down to people in process, right? Mm -hmm. Usually falls down to there not being that hub, um, that can reach right. out and connect people. Um, and we spoke a little bit about that, about being, being a connector. And, and you shared some insights around um, when you attended events like Inspire, just being able to get people to talk, to open up, and yes. um, to, again, share feedback, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about, uh, so how long have you been a
1: non-techie in tech? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So even with tech, that's so minus... Yeah, no, no, no. So like, like I said, I did, I took two years off. Yeah, but all together, I've been at Microsoft for eight years. And for the longest time, I felt like the dumbest person in the room, because like I said, the people I work with internally and externally, I find them to be such brilliant human beings. And I can't say that word enough. Brilliant. Like when they talk about their background, like, so for for instance, my manager, she goes back 20 plus years working on data centers and coding and so I just sit in the room and I'm like, what do I have to offer? Uh, you know, so I'm very, I'm very humbled by the people that I work with. Um, and I truly mean that, when, whether it be a customer, MVP, or a partner or internal. Yeah. And then, you know, I in talking to other mentors that I have within Microsoft, I realized that you don't have to code to, to be smart, right? So we all bring different skills. And I would say this didn't hit me until this year, being remote. And figuring out how to do my job yep. in, in a way that made it successful, I bring other skill sets. So being able to get people talking virtually at an event, doing the logistics, not everybody has those skills. Yep. So the fact that I work with people that I'm intimidated by, and they'll reach out to me and say... Holly, can I jump on a call and go over my architectural concept with you? Wait, what? Why, why do you want me on that call? But it's because we've created that trusted relationship and yeah. they know that I can take what they're saying, simplify it, and then share it back with my engineering team. That's not a skill everybody has. No. The ability to get people talking that most technical people aren't super chatty like me and being able to get folks talking and get a trusted relationship or setting up an event or being able to get the logistics of 50 plus EBCs that inspire yep. relationship building networking. I had to realize, okay, there is a need for this in Microsoft. Yep. And just because I don't code and I really quite frankly don't wanna code, um, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I run uh, my own um, video series with Isadora Katini, um, Head in the Cloud, Heart in the Community. And yeah, okay. we recently interviewed Stephen Rose. And the one thing he said that made me feel like I'm kind of on the right track, mm-hmm. he said, being a connector is one of the most valuable skills you can have. Yeah. So even if you're not able to get on a call and and discuss Azure Sentinel or Azure Firewall or Azure Monitor or whatever it is deep, I know the people to go get and bring them into the call. Yes. And not everybody either knows how to be a connector, knows how to create a relationship where this very busy engineer will say, yes, I will give you 30 minutes of my time to go talk to this customer partner, (laughs) that is is an important skill. And so without all of the skills that we come with, whether it be a coder, developer, engineer, connector, whatever that looks like, relationship builder, event logistics creator, we all are needed because without one of those, something else would drop. Yeah, and, and I had to realize that. So being a non-technical. Oh, we just lost
0: you for a second. That's okay. I'm back. So you said for being a non-technical person, all the skills are important. So true. I think, you know, your point about being a connector is such an important one. Um, I think it's also being able to look at a situation and see what is required who needs to talk to who where is the actual blocker within the people in the process how could I quickly get this you know get the, moving the needle slowly like we talked about um, to get people progressing and I think that's so important and I think um, it's funny about speaking about not being tech enough right because even when I um, I did a podcast episode with April Edwards so she comes from like an operations background and she okay. came into Microsoft and she's now like on a DevOps team, right? So she was even questioning whether she's dev enough. And I think that sometimes as well, maybe why technical people don't, I either aren't as chatty or they don't want to talk in certain forums because I think even, I think deep within the industry, even within the techies, there is major imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. um, especially with this new move to cloud. Like everybody is just a little bit hesitant um to say that they don't know or don't understand something so if you can create a safe environment where that person can bounce off ideas um with you I think that is hugely valuable and I think that it's so important to the like it's the key to innovation um not just for tech but all the great things that tech can do for this world is that we move from that sort of needing to be seen as an expert into a I am comfortable or maybe uncomfortable with saying that I don't know, but I'd rather say that and get to the answer and work with other people than to sort of stay in my silo and not progress. And I think it's people like, I'm just going to throw me in here with with you being so amazing as you are, but it's people like us, I think that can help do that and change that culture.
1: Well, and I know when I was on Intune and and configuration manager, which is now endpoint manager. But when we were starting to go through that evolution of Intune and configuration manager to co-management, people really came out of the woodwork with what's happening with my role. How do I move forward? I only, you know, configuration manager has been around for 20 plus years. And if that's all they know, and now your IT admin is now being told you need to learn Intune, that's super intimidating. And they, they did, they got, on board and, and everybody moved with the involvement and the evolution of, of the technology. But without the customer programs, without the MVP and the partner programs, we wouldn't get that feedback in here, these themes and trends yes. that people on the opposite side are having. And then over on Azure, when you know COVID happened, I started to see people say, oh my goodness, we can't get to the data center. So people are now moving the needle much quicker to move to the cloud migration. And now you've got people that have only known on-prem for so long that, that they are sharing that that fear. Like I only know on-prem data center and now I'm being forced to understand lift and shift and migration into the cloud and how do we do this? And I've got on-prem legacy apps and how do I yeah. get them up to, sp- I mean, there's a lot. And so I also think hearing the more technical fellows have their own imposter syndrome and fears told me like, okay, we're all dealing with it in some sort of way, just yeah. a bit different. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, um, yeah. okay let's talk about let's talk about the impact of COVID okay this had on your role so what what did your what did your sort of working home life look before and after and also let's um we can touch on at the end if you like I'd just like you to share a little bit more about uh head in the clouds, heart in the community one of my favorite. Absolutely, things. I would love it and just like how it came about um because it, it came about sort of during the COVID time yep lots of great content has so let's let's wrap up on that um, okay. yeah, I'd like to hear how COVID impacted your home and work life.
1: <laughs> it was it was crazy, to be honest with you. So my family was in Mexico on vacation when COVID became like we became a hot spot. Right. And I remember my husband and I were like, it can't last longer than a week. So we were actually thinking about just booking another week and staying in the resort. Yes. And I've got friends that are like, Holly, you need to order all these random, you know, bleach and toilet paper and Lysol. And I'm like, okay, well I'll, I'll do it. And I'm sure I'll be back to work by the time I land. And I said, well, if the schools closed down, we'll stay another week, we'll get back and it'll be fine. Well, the schools didn't close and thankfully they didn't at the time because right as soon as we did come home, everything did shut down. So it's good that we came back when we did. That said, thankfully, I bring my laptop home with me every day because I never went back to work. It's been almost a year since I've been in my, I haven't been back to the building since we shut down. And at the time we had just bought a new house and I was going to dump a bunch of money into making a kid's game room. And this office was just kind of the dump hall and I said okay I'm gonna you know Microsoft was so supportive they said take the time you need yep. let us know what you need take the time to set up an office make your home office yours yeah and it was really nice the support that Microsoft had for us being thrown into this and so I did I, I logged off for a day I I decorated an office I made it a true um And so now, unfortunately, at the time, um, I everything was sold out on Amazon, you know, yes, (laughs) you know, microphones and webcams. And so but I am slowly starting to buy the things that I need to make this truly a tech office. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a huge, a huge difference. And so when we think about all the parents out there that are trying to be successful, I'm going to be real honest right now. It's not easy. I'm sure everybody can hear like chaos out there with my kids running around. Um, and I, I did, I had to actually educate some of the teachers as to why my kids couldn't hook up a device to their laptop to print their worksheets, mm. it was probably being managed on the back end and you're not aware of it. And they didn't know. And so I was able to help provide them with some feedback on how to make it easier for parents. Like, we don't want to have to now log in to another device to print a worksheet. Yep. And so I I care a lot about my job, but I have many hats now. My other job is being a mom. And that job to me is so important. And so thankfully, Microsoft has now said, hey, for those parents out there, Mm -hmm. you might need to adjust your, your, your work shift a bit. Um, help your kids log in in the morning help them get onto zoom help them that's what my kids use is, is zoom yeah um, help them with their schooling make sure they get onto to their classes and if you just need to go for a walk I'll yeah. never forget Brad Anderson he said everything is work-life balance he said you can have teams calls on your cell phone yeah take the call go for a walk yeah. get outside get fresh air so I, I would say a few things for the parents out there it's not easy it's a lot of work you can do your job 100% and you can be a parent and if something drops if something isn't 100% perfect that's okay your heart's involved and that's what matters yeah um but it's it's been a lot of hats it's cooking it's cleaning it's working it's checking schoolwork that is not how i went to school doing it <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, Do you know what? A lot of people have been speaking about that who have kids at home and have been locked down. The amount of money they're spending on food. Oh my gosh.
1: the (laughs) amount! I have a seven and a nine-year-old. The amount of food these kids (laughs) eat, I am blown away. I go shopping and I'm I'm like spending almost double what I did because I'm now making three meals a day plus 500 snacks. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I like, I feel like thankful that I don't need to be dealing with that I can barely do you know what over the past like couple of months actually I don't know what's happened to me but I have like had an empty fridge for a few weeks and I've really not been cooking it's like I've kind of fallen off the I, th- I feel like COVID this whole COVID journey is a total roller coaster right and sometimes really? you've just sometimes you're just on one of these and then sometimes you know, and for those listening, I'm pointing on a downtrend, <laughs> and then you know suddenly you're up again, and you get flipped over. Yeah. And I think it's just sort of riding that roller coaster and and then taking it as it is. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I feel for you. One of my best friends has two kids, and her and her husband they started um working from home, and they've got the two kids, and it's it's not easy at all. And it's it's not. It's good that uh, companies, and I, you know, I've I've heard a lot from my friends who work for other companies as well, but those like I'm so thankful that we work for companies like Microsoft and Dell um they have been great they have been so supportive Mm -hmm. um I've seen you know major meetings being moved um to not start as early because even sales meetings right to not start as early because they understand that people need to get their kids yeah you might not need to do the school run and stuff yeah exactly you can't drop them off as early like you have to get them logged in and and get them set up and yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to share the honesty.
1: No. That. And that's the thing. So, so my kids are still, they do a hundred percent school from home now. And I will say it's a bit heartbreaking when I watch my daughters do PE from YouTube, they go on the living room and they do these cute little dances. And so it, what I started to do was I realized how important routine is. Yeah. So I wake up every day at the same time I get ready as if I were going to work. Yeah. Um, I get my kids a healthy breakfast. I get them logged in. And at the end of the day, we do a workout together. So we have a little gym room that we've now set up because of COVID and I'll run for 20 minutes. And then I, I do a workout with them because I want to see them being active, get moving, go on a yes. walk with me, do my workout with me. Well, let's walk the dog. Uh, yeah. there's little things that you can do, to help create some sort of normalcy and I found that for me routine was really important
0: yes I agree I think routine is so key I have like only in the past couple of weeks like got myself back into a routine mainly because I have to babysit a puppy so I'm now <laughs> up like super early getting the, the 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 flat ready for the puppy arriving but I, I think that's like that's so important it, and it kind of makes you think like the kids are missing out too right mm-hmm. like they'd usually do and pee with their friends and having a laugh. And, you know, so if you can sort of join in with them, um, I think that that's really, that really helps. That's really nice. Because, yeah, I think whilst it's an it'll be a nightmare to have them at home, let's not lie, it'll be hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're missing out too, right? So, you know, everyone's been impacted
1: in uh, some way and we have to all think of each other. And yeah. that's what, and that's the thing is that just like how I'm thinking of the tech community, and humanizing them. I have to humanize my kids too and realize that they're feeling the effects of strain and they have their own little stress from being here together constantly. And so sometimes when they're having a really hard day, um, I try to say, you know what, maybe this is their day where like COVID's really hitting them. I also started to try, even if it's just going for a walk or running to the grocery store, separating them, taking like they need a break from each other too. Um, and so, I, what I've tried to remember and we see it all the time on social media you don't know what somebody else is dealing with no and so I try to remember that with myself with my family with my friends when I'm out it's it's just that we're all dealing with it So yeah. be a little bit more kind yeah absolutely and
0: I think it's so important to take time for yourself and recognize that other people need that too like two siblings two girls they'll probably have awesome fun together but they will also need time time out from each other <laughs> that's right that's right yeah um okay so let's um will we wrap up with heads in the cloud heart in the community or is yes please yes. yeah okay cool Yes. so I would love you to tell us how this came about tell us all about it um and I will leave links as well in the description Perfect. so that people can reach out to it but it's just been an awesome series to keep up with Thank you. So, yeah I would love to hear a little bit more about how you and Izzy came
1: together to launch that yeah. So it's a funny story. So I um, knew her fiance, Thomas Maurer, because he is a CDA on Azure. So he's a cloud de- um, developer advocate um, for Azure. And being that I work on CXP, we got to know each other. Um, and then through social media, yeah. Izzy and I met and we we've never actually met face to face. And she's become one of my closest friends Um, We just got along really well. And she's so positive and has such a passion for community. And I have a passion for community. And we were talking how we missed events. I miss hugging the people that I work with that I've never met. I love meeting my customers, MVPs and partners face to face at these events. And everybody was just a bit having a hard time when it first hit. And I have to tell you, I went to send her a text and then I deleted it and then I sent it and then I deleted it because I was, I, I didn't, nobody wants to hear no. Yes. Nobody, you know, everybody has a bit of their own imposter syndrome with these ideas that they have. Yep. And I said, Hey, what would you think about doing this like video series with me where we find different people in the community and share their positive story? Because I realized people like, Um, you know, my friend Sam, he's an MVP for Azure, and he had written a book with Steve Buchanan. You've interviewed Steve. And I thought, well, this is something really cool and positive. Let's share this. Or, you know, you have Mary Rodriguez we interviewed. She had just released her book. And, yeah. you know, you've got Donna with her fashion line and, you know, just so many things. You had um, Stephen Rose who went through a career change and, you know, you have, you know, Rob, who is our friendly, lovable dino. And I wanted to show how he was bringing his positive stories with his kids and sharing these dinos with everybody. Yes. And so we just thought it would be really fun to share the positives of what people are doing during COVID. And- yes we've gotten a true partnership. She is absolutely amazing with the technical editing side and I do yep. more of the PMing. And then together we share it 50, 50, where she makes questions. I make questions. She opens, I close, vice versa. Yep. And it's become a true partnership where we get to stay connected with the community and share what these amazing humans are doing in this really cruddy situation. Yes yeah do you know what I think that that's
0: it really is such a great show so guys if you have not checked it out check it out now please subscribe um but I think so it's so funny because I think Izzy was one of my first couple of guests on the podcast and again I felt that fear of hearing no when I was sort of starting out it's it's and it still stays with me today um but me and Izzy had a really sort of honest podcast episodes and I'll link that as well actually because you can hear how things have changed um Mm -hmm. where we basically shared about how pants it was I mean Izzy like you say absolute community rock star always at all the events connecting everyone and you know that really changed her um work life and then I was supposed to be traveling had just started my new role I was you know meant to be sort of remote but traveling okay and then I was so before lockdown, we were planning a customer event in Berlin. I said this about 20 times, everyone's going to be so sick of this, but Berlin and Zurich. And then I was supposed to be going to Las Vegas to speak at Dell Tech World. Okay. And none of that happened. And I've also, I've only been to London a couple of times and I've had to sort of build on my relationships in my new role virtually as well. So we were basically just sharing that and we were like, oh, virtual events won't be the same. And, you know, we were being really honest about it and I think what's really cool to see is you guys got a friendship out of it you started your series Mm -hmm. I started this it's like it's crazy what we've been able to do um, by supporting each other and um, what we've been able to bring to the community but also just for me personally it's really helped me this year it's really helped me I mean I put a tweet out the other day to say if I was to do a pod if I was to do a session on um how starting a podcast got me through a pandemic would, would yes. anyone be interested in and everyone was like you know yeah share your tech set up and share how you picture channels I was like no no this will mm-hmm. be how how doing something like setting up a podcast and stepping out your comfort zone how being vulnerable you know reaching out to people connecting people how that can really help you mentally with your work, with your network, et cetera. Um, And I'll share how I got started because it's so simple. That's what else I want to share is that you do not need to, you do not need to have the perfect mic and the perfect X, Y, and Z. Like it's so
1: freaking easy. I had no idea. Um, Well, and I think it is what I learned for myself is The worst thing someone can say is no. And I've had a few people say no, that they weren't going to be on the show for various reasons and they all made sense. But I thought, okay, so the answer is no. Great. Now, next. There's tons of people. There's so much content that can be shared that if one person or piece of content is a no, that's fine. There's this wealth of other opportunity you can have. And here, no, what I've learned is just a door for another opportunity. Yes, Um, it's like, when people say no, there's nothing tragic that's going to happen. You just get more creative and think outside of your box. I mean, if Izzy said no, yeah. Okay. So I would have the choice to either do it myself or it wouldn't happen. And and that's okay either way. But what I will say is if someone were going to get into a podcast, if you're doing it on your own, interview people that bring a skill that you don't have. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it with a co-host, bring a co-host that come with skills you don't have because then you create a true partnership and you learn from one another. I've learned so much from Izzy. It's the biggest gift that I've had through COVID is her friendship. Um, I've learned so much from her and that being able to connect with somebody, like really connect virtually is, is a huge gift.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It's, um, Definitely something to be thankful for in 2020. And yes. I, I think the thought of no is quite often worse than hearing no. Yes. Um, and as soon as you get that no, you can then move forward, right? Mm-hmm. So then you're you're on to the next. And yeah, so I I think that's a great little snippet to to end on. Um, oh, good. Thank you so much for joining me, Holly. I have loved recording this episode with you. And I am also so glad that we also met through social media. Yes.
1: Me too. And I hope one day we get to meet in person at an event. <laughs>
0: definitely. Like again, this is going to be my um this is oh I'm getting confused here. This is going to be my I thought this was going to be my year when I was going to make it to some big Microsoft events. But um it's this year has definitely been special in many other ways. So yeah. But hopefully in the future and if not, like we'll just need to organize a girls trip that's right (laughs) yes okay holly well thank you so much for joining and thank you for having me it's always so fun when we get to talk i know i love it um and we will definitely chat again soon thanks again for tuning in to another episode of lisa at the edge if you like my content and you want to show some support Please check out my Patreon or buy me a coffee. The links are in the description below. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.